Hey, all welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren, and today I got a great guest, Mr. Ryan Pearson from the Cooking with Rye YouTube channel. We're going to discuss how he got started, how he's grown his YouTube channel, and where he's going. So I'll be right back with Ryan Pearson from Cooking with Rye. Smoking, grilling, getting hot and hotter, sous vide and chilling from fire and water. Hey all, this is Darren and I want to take a minute to talk to you about Masterclass. I just signed up for Masterclass and I can tell you what, it's well worth it. Masterclass is where you can learn how to cook from Gordon Ramsay, you can learn how to sous vide from Thomas Keller, you can learn how to make Texas barbecue from Aaron Franklin himself. All these classes are available on Masterclass plus many more. Masterclass has great video content, interactive assignments, social interaction with the Masterclass community. All for just one fee. You can either buy each individual class for $90 each, or you can sign up for the annual pass, which gives you access to all their classes for just $180. And that's what I signed up for. Check it out, guys. Masterclass has some of the best online training you can find. Check it out, guys, in the link below. Masterclass, amazing. Now on to the show. Welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm your host. And today I got a special guest. I got another big YouTuber. It's Ryan Pearson. He has the Cooking with Rye YouTube channel. But uh, Rye, tell us who you are, where you live, and, and all that. Let's get started on like, you know, where you're from and start you right from the beginning. From the beginning. <laughs> I am Southern California, born and raised. Uh, you mentioned my name. And uh, I've lived here my whole life. I'm pretty much the only member of my immediate family that has lived here my whole life. Um, everybody else was born in Minnesota and North Dakota. So my parents moved out here before I was born, right after my sister was born. And then, you know, I, I've been here. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much my geography is <laughs> Southern California. You know, as uh, we chatted about a little bit, you know, we have, we have the fires and we have the, the hot weather and then we have the earthquakes occasionally. I've lived through them all out here. And uh, so you're yeah. in, you're in Los Angeles. So I'm in Orange I mean, County proper or Orange County. So kind of Orange South County. of South of LA then. Yeah. South of LA. Right. Yeah. Anaheim and all that, you know, where I, I can hear Disneyland's fireworks every night when uh, they do their fireworks when they're open. <laughs> yeah. I've only been out there a couple times. And the only thing that really I remember is the, the traffic is just horrible. So <laughs> the traffic is a, uh, yeah, you know, I again, I've lived here my whole life, you know, and I've been driving here for four almost 40 years and it the traffic has gotten just unbelievably bad. It was bad when I first started, but you know, you don't talk about how many miles anything are from a place here. It's like how long it takes to get there. So, you know, how far are you from, you know, Pacoima some of the last? Well, that's about two and a half hours. Yeah. It's not miles. <laughs> I, uh, the last time that I actually had to drive myself, I, I've been out there, before, you know, a couple of times since, but I didn't have to drive. I was out there for work or business and somebody drove me or I took a taxi or something, but I actually drove once and this was, had to have been about 17 years ago. Cause my son was like one and a half and he's 18 now. And, uh, we were out there for, my wife was out there for business and we flew out and met her. And of course we went to Disney 
but we also took a day and we went up to Hollywood and, you know, walked around there, Rodeo Drive, and actually went to Spago and met Wolfgang Puck, saw him. But on the way back, we left Hollywood to get back down to Anaheim because that's where we were staying at right at five o'clock. And we got on the entrance ramp to the freeway and we stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. We, and that's, uh, we had a one and a half year old in the car. And I think it took us two hours just to get onto the freeway. <laughs> and then it took us four hours to get back to Anaheim, which is like a, if you were, if there was no traffic, it's like a 15 minute drive. So. Oh yeah. And that right now, because of with the situation going on, you know, no one's working. And so the freeways are basically empty. It's kind of like what the traffic from what I've talked to people like, used to be like in the fifties out here wow. when the freeways were built that, you know, you'd have those vistas of wide open freeways, a few cars on them. Yeah. So it's a, uh, yeah, I used to have to drive out to Hollywood multiple times a week. Um, and I just always had to plan two, two and a half hours every each way. So a, a one hour meeting out there would be minimum five hours for me. So know, two each way. Let's talk about that. So, you know, before you got into cooking and before you were a, a super famous YouTuber, <laughs> you, you, uh, you know, were involved in some uh, movie productions. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I started, uh, I've had a lot of jobs, but about, uh, I think I started being a writer full-time 27, 28 years ago. Uh, sold my first novel, uh, wrote several other novels. Uh, one was um, uh, turned into a movie called Mercury Rising with Bruce Willis. And then I segued into screenwriting you know, directly for film and I've written, I've worked on several movies, but you really only, you never get credit on those. You know, the way that the thing works, you know, you end up being the guy who does rewrites or you start something and someone else finishes it. But uh, I, I wrote the movie Knowing with Nicolas Cage. Uh, it came out a little over 10 years ago, I think. And, uh, but then, yeah, I've been still writing books and things like that. But uh, two or three years ago, I really just sort of stepped away from the film business. It was just, you know, there's, too much not working, too much talk and not enough actually doing things. And it just wasn't fun anymore. And it wasn't uh, actually being, you know, providing an income anymore because you're just not doing anything. Everyone just wants to talk. And uh, yeah, so I just focused more on my books and stuff at starting at that point. And then, you know, I stumbled into YouTube, <laughs> just totally stumbled into it. Yeah. So yeah, being a writer, I guess you're not like maybe, you know, like some of the actors and stars where mm -hmm. you can live off of your names. So, and a lot of people yeah. don't know who the heck you are, even though you wrote, yeah. you know, Mercury Rising, which was a pretty good yeah. movie. And people will go, who are you? you know? and, and I was doing okay. I mean, I did, I, I did really well for quite a number of years. And then, you know, you reach a point where, you know, the, it's actually the business really started to change more than just any individual thing. And that, that's a whole other subject, you know, in terms of how people wanted to work and how they wanted you to do work in essence for free, just so you could then work for them. And that just, I wasn't willing to do that. And, you know, so I, I focused more on my books where I was more in control and uh, was doing fine there. And then again, stumbled into YouTube. So, so let's start talk about that. When you stumbled into YouTube, have, have you been cooking a lot of your life? I mean, yeah. did you come into cooking at an older age or younger age? Uh, 
more later on, but I've always cooked. I mean, my mom cooked a lot. She, she grew up on a farm and, you know, that was, they cooked everything. And uh, so her cooking in the kitchen was just a normal thing to see for me. And in fact, one of my most popular videos is, is my mom's deviled egg video where I showed how my mom, you know, she passed away about 10 years ago, how she made her deviled eggs. And, you know, that video for some reason exploded and I didn't understand right away why, but that really did just come from watching her cook and make those deviled eggs all the time. And so, yeah, I started to cook and, you know, I just really enjoy it. Uh, and I started to get more interested in outside stuff, um, cooking outside and smoking when my sister gave me as a gift, I can't even remember how many years ago, at least probably 10 years ago, maybe even more, an electric smoker. And I, I you know, oh, those be fun, I'll, I'll try this. And I just totally destroyed, you know, the first ribs I did, <laughs> you know, um, tried a brisket in there and that was awful. And, uh, but then, you know, I kind of found my niche with like tri-tip in there. It's like, wow, I can make a pretty good tri-tip in this electric smoker. You know, it's not, it's very different than what you'll do on like a charcoal grill or something, but it was like, Hey, people like this. This is fun. So I just started doing more and more with that. And then I think it was, yeah, it was early 2017. I decided I wanted to just kind of, you know, do some more. And I had been reading on, you know, getting an offset smoker and, you know, what was a reasonably priced one for someone who wanted to just sort of try it and not really, uh, spend a ton of money on a high-end one at first because I really didn't know at that point would it be something that I'd want to get more into because electric smokers as I tell people are a great way to start because if you're not sure you want to do it that thing is basically set it and forget it you know you pick the temperature you put your food in and it's like an outdoor oven you just let it go and uh, kind of pulled the trigger bought myself a, an Oklahoma Joe's Highland and my very first video was I just decided, you know, cause I couldn't find a lot of stuff on the assembly of that online. And I'd always used YouTube to like figure out how to change a part in a car or things like that. Uh, and I always say that YouTube saved me, you know, probably $10,000 on Volvo repairs <laughs> when we had our Volvo because every visit to the dealer was six or $700. And, uh, you know, so I would watch YouTube videos to learn how to do things. And then I thought, Hey, you know, when I'm putting this thing together, I I'm just going to get my iPhone out and I'm going to show what I'm doing. And that was my first video. I wasn't even in it. I just held the camera and showed all the things I was doing. Yeah. I think a lot of us started our, you know, YouTube life by being YouTube, you know, uh, users by doing what you, like you said, I mean, that's what I used to do all the time was, you know, Oh, how do I fix the ice maker on my refrigerator? Yeah. You know? You know, you go on YouTube and you look it up. How do I, you know, fix this or that? And there's always somebody that's got a video on something. It exactly. Just surprises me how many, you know, things you could just look up and all of a sudden there's five or six different videos on that, mm -hmm. on how to fix it or how to put it together or how. But like you said, sometimes when you find that one where you can't find a whole lot, you go, well, yeah. maybe I should put one up. And then. And know. it was a whim. I, I had no thought that I was going to have like a, a long-term channel. Uh, and I remember being really excited when I got a comment on it. <laughs> you yeah. know? I remember when I had like 10 views on it and it was like, whoa, like 10 people have watched this and I got a comment. And I think just seeing that, it was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll put another video up. And I think my second video was a tri-tip video. 
And because I figured oh, I've done a bunch of tri-tips, you know, and I, I think it was the electric smoker. Um, and yeah, that was just really fun too. You know, then it was like, oh, I, I'll, I'll just keep doing it. <laughs> I still didn't have any idea that, you know, because you weren't earning any money out of it at that time. You know, right. you weren't getting anything. So it didn't even seem like a, a kind of a viable potential path for earnings uh, or, or a job. It was just something to do and kind of keep progressing and, and have fun with it because I already enjoyed what I was doing and I, I really enjoyed the feedback uh, from people and, and, and actually bantering back and forth. And that's one of the things that to this day, I, I really enjoy. I will get, I don't know, just on Facebook, I'll get, you know, 30, 40 messages a day through my, my Facebook page and, you know, comments on YouTube videos. And I really try and engage with most people on, on those things because I, I just find that's valuable because I really enjoy it when I do that. And I, I spend a lot of time actually responding to comments or responding to questions and, and just having a good time with people. Yeah. So at home, do you do most of the cooking or does your wife do most of the cooking? And I mean, I know I've seen a lot of your videos and you're not just always outside. You cook inside as well. So, I mean, you mix yeah. it up. So, I mean, mm -hmm. are you the one who does most of the cooking at the house? No, I think it's pretty much, if it's outside, it's me. Occasionally inside, it'll be me. Uh, most of the time inside, it'll be my wife. And that's honestly a factor of at the time when we're probably going to have dinner, I'm usually editing or something like that. I'm usually editing a video, especially in the last say year or so. And so she'll just sort of get that going. But if it's something where I'm cooking outside for a video, then I'll just take care of it. And it just works out that way. Yeah. And I, like I said, you mentioned your mom's uh, deviled egg video was one of your most popular ones. I think those type of videos probably hit home with a lot of people because I'm sure a lot of people's moms had a deviled mm -hmm. egg recipe and it brings back those memories. And then watching you make that, mm -hmm. they start thinking about, well, wow, maybe I should try to make my mom's, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, so it's, uh, it's, and that was a great video too, because I, I, there were so many people that, uh, would like give their suggestions and, Oh, my mom used to do this. Or I, and I actually did a follow-up video months later that was like, using their suggestions. And I would, I picked like three or four and then made my mom's, but with their suggestions. And that's a great example of sort of that interaction that you can get with people who watch your channel. If you, if they feel like they can share something with you and you're actually going to take it to heart, they're more inclined to do that. And they're more inclined to participate. And it's fun too. I mean, some of the stuff was pretty good. Yeah. So you're out in California and uh, yeah. you know, around LA there's a lot of different food influences there. You know, you get it all, especially, you know, you get Asian, you get the uh, Latin, you get, um, you know, America, all kinds of stuff because, you know, it's such a boiling, uh, a boiling pot there. Um, what is your favorite food to either just cook or just to eat? What, what, what is your favorite that you say, okay, this is the top of my list? If I had, there's two really. One is a good burger. I love a good burger. Uh, it doesn't have to be fancy. It's just, there's something about a really well-made hamburger with minimal toppings. I don't like it to be really sloppy when I like make it for, for me. Uh, but the other thing is lasagna. I just love lasagna, you know, and as someone, unfortunately, who, you know, the last few years has discovered I'm lactose intolerant <laughs> most of the time, you know, that I don't eat lasagna as much as I, I would like, but no, I love a good lasagna. 
That's something I remember my mom made a lot. And, uh, you know, that's whenever I have lasagna, that's what I think of my mom making a, a big old lasagna because she'd make the biggest pan you could, you yeah. know, and it would last for a week, you know? Yeah. You'd, you'd be sitting in the refrigerator and you cut out a piece. And <laughs> yeah. that, I would eat it for breakfast, yeah. you know, when I was growing up. It's like, yeah. And it's funny because my parents, they're, they barbecued, but I, I, I did a video on, it was called Don't Do This to Ribs. Because, and I was just really doing exactly the way that I grew up having barbecued ribs, which were incinerated. Yeah, burnt. I, I, saw, I saw that one. And I, I know and, I come from upstate New York and that's the way they cooked <laughs> everything on the grill. They didn't yeah. smoke stuff. Yep. And it was, you know, every hamburger was a, just a charred black hockey puck. And, and it's funny because you think back and I, I said this in the video, it's like, I remembered loving those ribs. I remembered loving anything that was barbecued. You know, it wasn't until later in life you learn there's a different way to do that. But yeah, so I, I didn't get like my barbecue sort of interest from from the way they cooked. It was just more of something, you know, you you move out and then you get married and you buy a barbecue. And so, you know, I had a gas grill for years and years and years and you just start cooking stuff on it. And, you know, and then you have a charcoal grill. And it's just something, at least for me, it just sort of developed over time. You know, I always say I'm not an expert on anything, which is always interesting when people ask me for advice. I, I tell them I'm not an expert. You know, I just, I'm a guy who likes to cook and I, I cook enough that I've made enough mistakes and I've found the ways that things work for me. And sometimes that'll work for other people too. So that's always an interesting thing. Thinking back to my mom who probably grew up the same way with her family on the farm, you know, a huge family, everybody cooked, everybody made mistakes, <laughs> you know, and through their life, they just developed their own way of cooking things. I 100% agree with you. That's what I did. I actually started my, you know, culinary career. I worked in fast, you know, fast food type restaurants when I was younger, you know, back in my teens and early 20s and, you know, more family type restaurants like, you know, Denny's or Ranch House, stuff like that and TGI Fridays. So yeah. I, I kind of learned the basics of cooking that way. I never went to culinary school, but what it did, it got me interested in, in learning and understanding you know, some of the processes and methods and how things can go together and then how you can create new dishes, you know, so, yeah. And then like you said, you, you do trial and error as well, you know, so I'm, I'm one who's always looking to try something new and different. Um, you know, I like to change it up a lot. You know, that's what got me interested in doing the sous vide and the barbecue. And, um, you know, it's cause it's, you can create something totally different than you could with just either one of those methods by themselves, you know, by yeah. when you combine them. But I've always been that way where I, I like to just, I look at a recipe and look how I can change it. You know, I don't, yeah. I'll follow it the first time I go, yeah, that's okay. But if I just tweak it here, tweak it there, kind of make it my own, you know, are you the same way? Yeah. And I, it's, it's something I've learned, which is really interesting to me is that over time, as people ask questions about a, a recipe I've done or something, they, a lot of people do seem sort of I don't want to say shocked, but surprised when you say, oh, well, if that, if you don't like that, just throw something else you like in there, you know, try something different. And, and I know people like that who, if they see a recipe, they feel that they have to follow every step, every ingredient. And if they don't, something's going to be wrong. And I'm really of that school of like, try it, try something yeah. else, you know, give it a, if there's a flavor you don't like, try adding something you do like. Um, I, I mean, I've learned that pretty much the only kind of cooking that is really strict in terms of ingredients and is baking, you know, when you're trying to do specific baking things. 
And I don't do a lot of baking, but yeah, you do have to kind of follow more things there. But in the rest of the world, you know, when you're making soups or barbecue or, you know, anything, yeah, you can change things up and you can, you can experiment and have a good time. Yeah, baking, there's too much chemistry involved in that. And it's got to, like you said, you know, if you miss something, you know, you don't put enough baking soda, you don't put enough yeast or, you, you know, too much salt, you can spoil, you know, your bread yeah. or your cake. But any, everything else, I'm the same way. That's why I don't really like baking too much. Yeah. <laughs> it does. You have to be kind of, but my wife's like that. She, if she sees a recipe, she's mm -hmm. got to follow it to the T. To the she, tea. <laughs> she's always that I mean that's more analytical I guess where mm -hmm. you know you got to do it a certain way you got to follow the instructions on how to put that you know table together exactly but there's even ways to sort of like I I want to bake more I want to try some things and like I actually have tomorrow a video coming out which is a smoked apple pie and a, I think a month or two ago I actually just decided I was going to do it and, and I'm not talking about making the crust yourself or anything like that I just use the store-bought you know frozen crust that you can roll out uh, but it was just more the ingredients and hey, can you do this on a grill? Can you really get results? And yeah, you can. So it is fun to kind of take a little bit of the baking world and bring it into um, some of the smoking and grilling world. In fact, I can't remember, I don't know if it was on uh, on Google Foods, if he did like a, 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 well, a beef wellington, I think. And I, yeah. I think it was on Google Foods. Yeah, and it, was, and it, was, it looked really good. So, I think he did, he did one on uh, seaweed, everything he did too. That? So yeah. Yeah. But um, I know a bunch of mine. I don't know if you've ever watched um, John Setzler. He's a he has a Kamado Joe channel. He does a lot of those yeah. videos and Man Cave Meals. He's been around a while, but mm -hmm. he, he, he works a lot on the, the Kamado grills, you know, the Kamado right. Joe particularly. But he does a lot of baking on that and, mm -hmm. you know, baking breads and, and all kinds of different stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, pizzas especially, you know. Pizza and, and grills go together like, you know. Salt yeah, I've pepper, done some pizzas. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing some more pizzas. I've got an attachment for the the pellet grill, which is a pizza oven that goes on the side. So I'm I'm looking forward to using that. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of things you can do outside, and we'll get into that, you know, after, mm -hmm. on the second part here. But let's take a little break right now, and um, I'll be right back with Rye Pearson from Cooking with Rye. Hey all, I want to introduce you to a company I just started working with, Fresh Jack's Organic Spices out of Jacksonville, Florida. They're a small, family-run company that's fast-growing. I've tried a bunch of their different seasoning blends and spices, and I can tell you they're all fresh. All organic. None of them contain artificial flavors or sweeteners. None of them have anti-caking agents or preservatives. They all taste like they were just made for you yesterday. Check them out, guys. They're on Amazon in the link below. They have different sample packs, different blends. Like I said, they also have the individual seasonings and spices as well. Fresh Jack's Organic Spices. Check them out, guys. I love them. All right, Ryan. So let's yeah. get into, I want to see if this works here. I'm going to share my screen real quick okay. with everybody so that they can see what we're talking about here. Look at that. So this you is go. your YouTube channel. And yeah. I, I'm one of your first subscribers. I, I think I, I, I found you fairly early on. I think you had less than 10,000 subscribers. When yeah. I, I, when, I, I, when I hooked up with you, I saw you. And now you're at 111,000. That's uh, crazy. That's crazy <laughs> to me. It is. It's uh, uh, The yeah. big thing with YouTube, I think, is personality. People latch on to your, you know, personality. Mm -hmm. um, 
you, the way you explain things, the way, you know, you make everybody comfortable. And like I said before, you cook things that maybe reminds them of their mom mm -hmm. or how their mom or their grandma cooked, you know, <laughs> so yeah. some of the stuff you do. And, yeah. um, you know, so there you have it. It's uh, cooking with rye. It, uh, when did you pass a hundred thousand subscribers? It was last month or the month before? I think it was February. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It was February. I think I want to say like February 24th, somewhere around there. And, uh, yeah, but it was just, I, and that was less than three years from when I started my channel. I, my first upload, I believe was on March 17th, 2017. So <laughs> to think in three years, I mean, I thought, okay, I, once I actually started uploading videos on a regular basis, I thought, all right, maybe I can get like, you know, 5,000 subscribers in five years. I thought, you know, maybe, you know, if I just keep uploading on, you know, kind of a regular basis, I didn't really know what my schedule was going to be. I mean, I think that when I finally decided what my schedule was going to be for quite a while, that's what really helped me grow quickly. But at the beginning, I just didn't know. I just thought, oh, that would be neat to have 5,000 subscribers in five years. And yeah, hitting 100,000 in under three, I, I, there's no way I would have thought that. Not at all. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you follow a lot of the YouTube guru guys on how to do your videos and how to set them up and keywords and, you know, mm. point at, you know, your food with your picture, <laughs> you know, a lot of those no. same old stuff that you can find that, you know, all the uh, gurus on how to do a YouTube No, I mean, I, there's a few people that I've watched over the years, just, you know, sporadically. I'm not a devotee of anybody in terms of like content creation. But the one thing that, you know, if you watch people like Sean Cannell or Nick Nimmin, one of the things that you, you learn from them, it, it, what they talk about, which I found to be the most valuable piece of advice, and it's the simplest, which is, are you providing value to people who watch you? And if you're providing some sort of value to them, they're getting something from what you give them, that's really the first step towards being successful. You know, if you're, if you're not giving them something that they can go, oh, wow, yeah, I can make that, or that looks really good. That's that sort of exchange of value. They're giving you their time and you're giving them something. And so in terms of following gurus, that's always the best piece of advice that I've seen coming out of people who, who offer that, which is provide value. Whatever it is in your channel that you're doing, you know, if it's, you're a car repair guy or you're an entertainer, you know, you provide humor whatever it is, what are you giving people so that they give you back their time? Because, you know, you, you know, as well as I do that in this sort of exchange of time for content, that's how you earn money on YouTube, you know, with advertisers, you have to have people watching what you provide. And so that is that exchange. Yeah. And they have to want to come back and, and watch you again over and over again. And the, yeah. Um, you know, besides the occasional troll, that's just out there, he's bored and he wants to, I get those every, I, I don't get as many as, you know, some do, but you know, okay, I'll tell you something. And I, and I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I have a ban list, probably two or 3000 long because I have extremely strict content filtering on my channel. Uh, so that if anyone says anything, even slightly, it goes into the, you know, held for review where I can look at it. And sometimes it's a mistake. You know, some people, I'm not opposed to using an occasional, you know, colorful word if you're trying to get a point across, but I always want to see that. Are they coming? Is it someone who's just doing that for shock value? But the other thing that I've really 
kind of enforced on my channel is uh, don't come here and be rude. You can have a difference of opinion. You can share a criticism, but try and do it in a way where you don't come off looking just like a rude troll. And I think that's what I've gotten a lot of comments from people about my comment section saying, man, you have a, a comment section that is just kind of nice because most people are just going back and forth and talking about the food and things like that. That takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm not joking that I spend easily an hour to two hours a day on just comments, you know, and that's just not YouTube. That's, you know, Facebook or you know, Instagram, whatever you're doing. And I just truly believe that I don't know why people need to be rude. I just don't. Right. And if you yeah. don't know you're being rude or why you're being rude, you're, you know, go somewhere else. I, we don't need you, yeah. you know, learn how to express yourself in a way that you can get a point across about a criticism, even a net, even a, some negativity. And I've gotten plenty of negativity from people and the comments are there. It's just, they knew how to express it without name calling or being elitist. You know, you know what I'm talking about? The people who come in and say, you can't cook on anything, but this, you have to use this and that charcoal. Come on. <laughs> so, right. You know, so yeah, I, I run a fairly tight comment section and, and, and it's, it's my channel, you know, my rules. And exactly. that's always funny too. When you get those people, it's like, you don't believe in free speech. Yeah, no, not on my channel. I don't. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I, you know, my Facebook group, I'm almost at 9,000 on my Facebook group yeah. for, you know, the sous and barbecue. And I, I run it the same way. I, I don't allow comments, you know, that are any kind of negative criticizing stupid, just, yeah. you know, people just being stupid. You know, I don't, you know, like the stupid memes people put up. So I don't yeah. allow it. As so I see yeah. someone's stupid meme, it's gone. Yeah. Um, I, I actually screen all the posts that come in mm -hmm. because, you know, I don't want it to be up there so somebody can see some stupid post and go, you know, oh my God, I can't believe this guy's letting these posts on there. But you're right with, yeah. the, with the comments as well. I, I'm kind of strict on mine. And like yeah. you said, it's my channel. It's my group. It's, this is not, you know, a democratic, you know, group. I had a guy, you know, on one of my videos just the other day, just made some just blatantly, you could just tell he was bored. He had nothing better to do that day. Yeah. He's probably locked down and he's just scrolling through all the videos and said, mm -hmm. you did this totally wrong and you're stupid. You're, you know, it's like, boom, you're gone. I don't need you. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's um, like on mine, if, if you think I did something wrong, oh, okay, well, what did I do? You know, right. what, how would you do it differently? What that's, that's an engagement. And I've had right. people do that. You know, and in fact, I've had people, it was, there was a recent one where someone's, I said in a video, oh, I, I did this fat cap up and I usually do it fat cap down. And then a couple commenters said, I don't think you did. I, I, I think that was fat cap down like you planned to. And I said, no, I was there. Trust me. And then someone else said it. And I was like, I better go look. And I went back in the video, I enlarged it and was like, they were right. <laughs> and I went back into the thing and I said like, Hey, guess what? You guys are right. So that sort of thing, you know, is a back and forth where you can be corrected. You can learn something from it, but they didn't come in there, you know, spouting profanities or, or just being kind of over the top harsh for things. Right. Just, just, just to be negative, to be negative exactly. or to be nasty. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's people that do that, but I mean, I've been fortunate as well that I don't have a whole lot. I'll get maybe one or two a month where somebody will just, you can just tell too, because they, they don't have a channel of their own. 
They, they got no followers and they just come in and go, Bleh! and you just yeah. like, boom, <laughs> you know, how did that 10 seconds, you know, of a comment, you know, make you yeah. feel on my YouTube video. And I've found that by doing that, by kind of being strict in the comment filtering, it allows the rest of the comments to flourish, right? That you get people who want to talk about things. And I'm sure that some have slipped through that I've missed, you know, the YouTube filtering isn't perfect. Uh, but I do, when I look at stuff, it's like, it is fairly clean and it's kind of constructive and funny at times, you know, people joke around about things, but it's not negative and it's not hurtful right. and it's not rude. It's, I mean, the simplest thing a word, like I said, is rude. I just do not get that. And so I don't allow it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's when, if you have a Facebook group, it's kind of the same, it's actually worse because you know, you got people all the time, you get that Ford versus Chevy mentality, especially, <laughs> especially when you like with me, I'm, I'm mixing sous vide with barbecue and some yeah. of the barbecue traditionalists are just like, it has to be cooked on a smoker using pecan wood on a yeah. offset, you know, for this, you know, and it's like, you can't use briquettes. You have to use lump. Yeah. You yeah. Have <laughs> and, and those guys, I just tell them, look, you can, you know, you can either play nice here or you can yeah. be gone because there's other barbecue groups out there and you don't have to be in mine. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and again, and I, you know, you, we talked about this, the whole idea that if you're someone who relies upon the, the tool versus the method, you're, that's really not the way the best cooks cook. Right. You know, you could, you could give the, you know, a really good cook minimal equipment on something they're not familiar with and they would make great food exactly. because they understand that it's the way you prepare the food which gives you that flavor and the taste and the stuff that pleases people. Not the fact that you have, you know, a $4,000 this, or you only use this type of charcoal or, you know, yeah, in fact, I had so much fun making a video a couple of years ago. I, I decided I just wanted to have some fun. And I made a DIY smoker out of uh, like foil pans, those big, you know, foil pans that you see in like, you know, serving trays. And I, I'm going to cook a tri tip on it. And I did, and it, it was fun. And it, it came out pretty good. And yeah. so I just thought that that was kind of neat to show that, yeah, you can take this to the beach, you know, where you don't have to lug your smoker and you could just make a tri-tip at the beach. And it was literally out of two foil pans and some metal barbecue skewers to hold it together. <laughs> and that it, it was fun. Yeah. That whole idea of like the, you know, the concept of chopped where people can, mm -hmm. you know, the really good cooks, you can give them a basket of anything and they'll, they'll make something yeah. delicious out of it, you know? Yeah. That's so they'll, that's, they'll figure it out. Yeah. They figure it out because they know the methods, they know the flavor profiles and, you know, and you don't get that overnight. You know, you do right. got to study, you do, you got to, you know, do some, you know, reading and trial and, you know, try, you know, try it and, and, you know, have some failures too. You oh know? yeah. You know, I like fail all, all the time. I mean, I fail every video. I mean, it's in editing and I don't mean I fail the foods bad. I fail in the filming. And that's what, you know, I get comments from some people about like, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? And it's like, well, I'm running sometimes six cameras. And so if something doesn't look good on this one, I can switch to this one, you know, and if I drop something, well, you know, then I've got another camera. So you're trying to give the best presentation you can, but still kind of leave those honest moments. in. I think I, I can't remember which one I did. Oh, as I was doing the fresh ground brisket burger. And as I put it on the thing, it started to come apart. And it was like, well, I left that because that's real. You know, I didn't compress right. it enough when I was forming it. And I actually got a lot of comments on that. It's like, oh, thank you for showing that it isn't always perfect. But yeah, when you're, when you're trying to create videos 
and you have you're running with a lot of equipment it does give you options but it takes a lot of work <laughs> yeah you know, well and like you said though you know sometimes when you're doing a video and you get to the end and you're like oh man it didn't turn out like you were you thinking i i leave those in too i mean i'll just tell them hey this didn't yeah. turn out the way i thought it was but it, yeah. it's still pretty good but you know, I should I've have done stuff. this or I should have done that. Yeah. You know, I like to do that because people, like you said, they think, yeah. well, you're human. You're not, you're not somebody that's just, you yeah. know, thinks you a so lot of great. Times you've, a lot of times you've done stuff enough or enough times where you're pretty sure it's going to turn out right. good. Um, my first brisket video that I did, I, I had a whole little thing at the end where I talked about what I would do different the next time because it didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted. It was still good, but it wasn't really what I wanted. And I kind of had that little, I think about a five minute tag at the end of it. And I did get a lot of comments on that from people like, Oh, it was nice that you, you know, it, you know, talked about what didn't go well and what you would do differently. Um, but it is just sort of this thing after, again, I'm no expert on anything, but I've, I've done over 400 videos. And after doing that many videos, you just kind of learn how to do things in a little bit of a sequence to get them the way you want, especially if you've made something before. Like I said, that apple pie video that, that I've got coming out, I made it a month ago testing without for video. And that's, I do that a lot. I'll test stuff first. So I know it's going to come out. I didn't have the luxury of doing that, you know, a couple of years ago, but I'm able to do that more and more now because I just have the time. I mean, in essence, this is my full-time job now. Um, I still write, but this is by far the larger portion of stuff. So yeah. I do have that ability to say, Hey, I'm going to spend this day of the week testing stuff. And so that, that's nice. Yeah. And I did the same thing when I first started mixing sushi and barbecue. I mean, the first few things that I did, it was like, well, it's okay, but I can make it better. And, you know, I've been doing it now almost three years mm -hmm. and now I've pretty much got it down. And, and I, I yeah. love showing people and telling people, you know, how to, how I learned and how I, you know, figured out the process to make it perfect. It still may yeah. not be perfect for somebody else. You know, yeah. it's perfect for me, but I can show them how I, how I learned because, you know, especially when you talk about a brisket, you know, brisket, mm -hmm. people really want to understand brisket mm -hmm. and they're scared of brisket and they want brisket to be perfect because it costs a lot of money for that big hunk of meat. And, yeah. you know, so but there's multiple ways to cook a brisket, especially when yeah. you're using sous vide and barbecue together. I can make a medium rare, very tender brisket with it mm -hmm. on the smoker. Yeah. So yeah, so I really get involved in, in doing that and, and showing people, you know, hey, I over over the last few years, I've made some bad ones, but I've also yeah. made some really great ones, you yeah. know. And I've always come to understand now that there's many different forms of perfect. You know, yeah. I think that the way that I cook my tri-tip and I, I I do it a specific way when I want it and the finish that I want. Someone else may do it differently and it'll be, it'll be really good. It'll be great. There's different forms of perfect based upon who you are, yeah. you know? And I, I, I respect that. And I think that that's great because I can watch, like I watched a, a Russ, Russ Jones, Smokey Riz barbecue. He had a tri-tip video just the other day where someone was cooking it a completely different way that I've ever done, you know, starting it out wrapped in foil and finishing it. And I was like, that's interesting. Now, I don't know that I would do it that way, but the results sure look darn good. Yeah. So I like seeing how different people do things in the different methods. Yeah. And there is no perfect as far as I'm concerned. They're all, 
you know, you can have something that tastes better a certain way yeah. to you. I mean, but it might taste better, different than, you know, somebody else might have a different opinion on it. Yeah. But food, you know, you can make good food in several different ways. You know, like chicken, you can make chicken a hundred different ways mm -hmm. and make it good. You know, that's what I tell people when they go, well, the brisket's got to be at 205 degrees on, you know, smoker and the crust has got to be this. So, no, it doesn't. You know, do you say the same thing about chicken? It can only be fried. No. Yeah. You know, there's multiple ways to cook any kind of food. Yeah. And um, they're all, they all can be delicious and not. I say as long as the, my philosophy in terms of food, because yeah, this is a YouTube channel I have and I make food on it. But at the end of the day, that's still food that's being served. And I've always said that if you make something that other people are pleased with, that's it, that you've, you've succeeded. It doesn't matter if it came out with, like I said, that perfect bark with the smoke ring. I've served brisket that doesn't have much of a smoke ring or that great bark. And people will eat it and go, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but it's, they're pleased with it. Yeah, I do it all the time. You know, I'll make something, you know, for a potluck and people will go, oh, that's the best I ever had. And I'm like, I've made better, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but they, they have it yeah. and you know, and they, they yeah. really like it. So, I mean, yeah. So let's, let's talk about your grills in your backyard because sure. I know when you first started out, I think you had, you did a lot of cooks on the Oklahoma Joe and on the Weber kettle. So yeah, those were my two main grills, but other than my electric, which I used also, yeah, the Oklahoma Joe's uh, Highland, which I had for just about three years, just, you know, got rid of, gave it to a good buddy um, when I got my new one, my new offset. And uh, still the Weber kettle still going strong. In fact, I just added another Weber kettle and I'll be doing some videos on that. But yeah, they're just, a, the Weber kettle to me is the best all around cooker there is. If I could only pick one cooker to have, it would be the Weber kettle. You can do everything on it. You can smoke, you can direct grill, you can indirect grill. It's, it's, it's got a shallow learning curve. You know, you could learn that in a very short amount of time and you can really get great food out of it. So if someone said to me, you got to get rid of everything except one grill, I would keep the Weber kettle. Now you had it for a long time before uh, Dave sent you a slow and sear. So I know you were kind I of did, one of the yeah. You were one of the guys that like didn't think you really needed a slow and sear, but then you got one. What yeah. what, what were your ideas you know, the, on it when you the got slow it? And, well, the slow and sear is, is the thing that's neat about it is, and I'll be honest, the sear is the sear. You can sear on anything. <laughs> you know, you could sear over just a pile of coals or in the charcoal baskets like that. But I, I actually did a video on the the actually slow part of it, and I think I was able to get seven hours of pretty much 275 without doing anything. You know, once you get those vents dialed in right at the beginning, that's the great thing about the slow and sear is it just rocks straight through. And that's just using, I was just using normal, you know, Weber briquettes, or not Weber briquettes, um, Kingsford briquettes, which is what I normally cook with. And you put, you know, a pork butt on there or, you know, a brisket, I've done brisket on there with it. And you don't have to add any charcoal for seven hours. And if you can get your cook in under seven hours, that's pretty darn good for just a load of charcoal in one side of your grill without having to do a snake method, which I've done. But the thing about doing a snake method is it, it takes up more real estate in your grill because, you know, you have the edges all taken up and in a kettle though with the slope that pushes those things further in towards the center of the grill. And there you create a direct zone if, or you have to keep moving your meat all the time. 
to get it away from that. So I've done it, it works, but the slow ends here for me, the slow part is the thing that really works great. Now, now you got the, uh, the super, super offset. Now the Lone Star grills, which, yeah. Uh, how, how did you like that? How does that compare to the Oklahoma Joe? Cause Oklahoma Joe is not a top of the line. It's no. kind of the it's entry a consumer. It's yeah. a consumer grade smoker, which is what I said. And that was the reason I bought it because I didn't know at that point, like I said, if I was going to want to do a lot on it, I figure it was on sale when I bought it at Lowe's for $299. It's like, okay, that's reasonable to me. I can spend $299 and I know I can cook with it, but I don't know if it's something I'm going to get really into. So as I got more and more into it, I realized, hey, you know, you can do really good stuff on this and it's a good consumer grade smoker. It has some drawbacks and I did some modifications to it. Uh, the best one was adding the baffle plates, which really evened out the temperature in there. But I'll tell you the biggest difference other than capacity between that and the Lone Star grills that I have now, it's efficiency. I, I can run the Lone Star grills on a quarter split of wood for an hour at 250. Now a quarter split of wood, we, you know, imagine a round log split in half and then that split again. And those are about 12 inches long. So on one 12 inch long quarter split, it'll run 250 for an hour. And I just did a brisket the other day, which video will be coming out. I used 10 quarter splits of wood for a 10 and a half hour cook. On the Oklahoma Joes, <laughs> it would be about double that because the efficiency of the airflow is not as good on that. And it takes a little more fiddling and you have to burn more wood to get that going. Well, and the metal's a lot thinner too. So. Metal's a lot thinner. Yeah. This is, a, when you get into the bigger, better built smokers, that metal becomes a heat sink and it absorbs the energy. And so it doesn't take, let's say you open the lid, you know, and then you close it again. In something that doesn't have that ability to absorb the, the heat energy and just sort of store it and then release it back, it's not going to do that as fast. Thinner metal's not going to release that en as much energy because it's not as thick. It's not holding as much ener heat energy. And it's kind of the same with a cast iron cooking grate, the one that I have on my Weber kettle now. That thing holds so much heat that when I take the lid off and to do something and then put the lid back on, it comes back up to temp really quick. With just the standard grates on there, they don't hold that heat energy. And it takes a little longer to come back up to heat. So that's the biggest thing about the Lone Star, other than the capacity and some other nice features, is just that efficiency. I went out, I, I can't remember who I told the other day, when I knew I was getting that, I went out and I bought a whole bunch more wood. I ordered more wood to stock up on it, figuring I was going to blow through this in like, you know, by August. And now I'm looking at my wood supply and I'm going, this is going to go into like February, March of next year now, because I'm not going to burn it as much. But yeah. 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 And that's the same con concept with the ceramic grills. You know, that's what people yeah. don't seem to understand. You know, why would you want a big green egg or a Kamado Joe, you know, besides a Weber or kettle? Well, that's another thing. It's the efficiency yeah. and, and the versatility and something that's going to last you for a long time. Not yeah. the knock of Weber kettle. Those are yeah. great too, but it's also a price point thing. You know, yeah, if you're, it's, it's kind of like, like if you're, if I hadn't done sort of the offset thing, decided oh, I'm not going to get into offsets. If I had gone from a Weber kettle and said, I want to kind of move up into something that's going to give me more capability. Yeah. I would have gone to a ceramic cooker from that. And that's why you're right. That's where they get, they're like super insulated ovens. I mean, that's what's nice about ceramic cookers. Yeah. And I, I get the bug too every once in a while to say, you know, I really want to get an offset. But like you, I, I, I started out 
not wanting to buy something super expensive. Yeah. Because I, when I got into the ceramics, I started out with an acorn, which is kind of like, you know, the, the steel ceramic that's, you know, kind of cheap. You can buy them at Lowe's for sure. 250 bucks, but it's, it's similar to a Kamado or a ceramic grill because it is kind of insulated. So you can get the kind of experience and, and get that. Well, right. you know, see if it's going to be something I want to do or that kind of cooker so you can get the taste of it. Then like anything, you could start out with the cheap, you know, scotch and then go, well, I'd really like to see yeah. what an expensive single ball is <laughs> like after, you know? And, and with the Lone Star, I mean, the thing about it is in all in full disclosure, they gave that to me, you know, I didn't have to pay for it. And it was interesting when Chris reached out to me, Chris from Lone Star, um, you know, he said, Hey, we'd, we'd like to send you this, you know, you can use it on your channel, review it and you know, whatever. And I said, and I thought about it and I, the interesting thing was I had been ready to buy one. <laughs> I was shopping for an offset and I was looking at that very model. I was looking at a Lang, a Yoder, and there were a couple local fabricators that I'd been looking at too. And, you know, I had been looking at this exact specific Lone Star grills and Chris basically said, you can pretty much pick any one of our cookers you want and we'll send it to you. I mean, and there's some really high end, super expensive, right. you know, pits there. And I said to him, I said, you know what, this is what I was planning to buy. And this is what I would cook on. And that if someone wanted to buy it, that's that price point. I was looking in that one to $2,000 range. I was saying that's what I would be willing to spend to upgrade from like a $300 offset because then it's an investment to me. You're looking at it going, I'm going to have this for 20, 30 years if you take care of it you know, and maybe even longer, you're going to pass it on. But so I didn't want to just sort of go, I'll take that $8,000 trailer pit. <laughs> <laughs> right. You yeah, know, I, understand. Um, I wanted to actually use something that I would have normally used that in, if they weren't going to give it to me, I would have bought that one. And I thought that was, that was very generous of, of Lone Star. But I also, I feel like with the audience that I have, if I am going to take something for free, I want it to be something that they would actually potentially use you know right. it might be something that they look at and go yeah that's i would actually consider buying that i had a company uh, probably five or six months ago ask me hey we'd like to send you this really high-end thing i'm not going to say what it is because it might give away what the company is and there's nothing wrong with them at all they're a good company but it was like five or six thousand dollars and i looked at it and i thought i wouldn't spend that much on this thing and I really can't believe my audience would spend that much on this thing. Meaning you're going to give me something that's valued at that and you're not going to get a return on it because no one's going to go buy it based upon me using it, <laughs> you know, and, and I wouldn't buy it myself. So I try and at least be honest about that stuff. If someone wants to give something to you to use on your channel and, you know, I'm sure you've had offers and things too, where people want to give you stuff and, you know, I turned down 99% of everything because number one, you don't need it. And number two, if you just start taking everything, then every video becomes about the thing you took. Exactly. And, you know, I want it to be about the, the food. So, and that's, that's why I was willing to work with Chris on that and, and, and accept that because I knew that I was going to buy that anyway, or, or an equivalent one, but probably honestly, it was going to be the Lone Star because that's the one that really was in that sweet spot of price. And yeah. I don't want to go out and spend a ton of money on stuff. I mean, I, that's why the Weber kettle is so great. You know, $165 for, I think it's the, the Weber kettle premium. That's the, for a cooker that's going to last a long, long time. If you take care of it and turn out great food. 
Yeah, I kind of agree. I, that's the way I treat. I do have people, you know, I work with Camp Chef, but I, I approached Camp Chef because mm -hmm. I like their design. I like the, you know, you've got the Camp Chef now yeah. too. But I reached out to them initially because I like their product. And I know that I can use that product and show people the benefits of it. And the people that follow me are going to go, yeah, I can understand that. And I've had people, you know, comment and say, yeah, I love watching the stuff that you review because I'll tell them right out. If, if, I, if somebody sends me something, I'll tell the people sending me. I'll do a review on it, but if it's bad, you're going to get a bad review. Yeah. And, and if yeah. it's really, really bad, I won't even use it. And I'll just send yeah. it back to you. But, That's what um, I've done too. When, I've, when people have sent some things where it's like you open the box and look at it <laughs> and yeah. I pick it up. It's like, there's no way I'm going to use this. And I'm, I just, I, I let them know I'm not going to use it. I'm going to send it back. It's just not. Because yeah. why would, number one, why would you want to use a really bad piece of equipment to begin with if you know it's bad? And if you're using something which is good and has a flaw, you're right. You share that. You know, you, you talk about it. And the Camp Chef um, uh, that, that I got when they sent that to me, I did a video, I think it was the third video or fourth video that I, of that, where there was a problem. And I, I went into it and what it was, you know, and Camp Chef made it right. But I'm okay to work with companies that if something's wrong, I give people one chance. You know, if there's something that's wrong, I'll tell people about it. And then I think that they just like with anyone who buys something, they should fix it. They should take care of that. And if they don't, you know, that's going to be the problem then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and like I said, like you said, you know, you don't want to be using junk and trying to sell it like it's a, you know, a great thing because yeah. then they're going to look at you and go, ah, you know, come on. Yeah. But and, and like like you, I'm sure I've seen a lot, not not to name names, but I've seen some other YouTube channels where every other week they've got a new grill or they've got a new product and mm. that's all they seem to be doing. And it's like, well, how how does that work? When, you know, yeah. I understand if you want to try things out and you yeah. know, it's great to have somebody want to send you something for free, but mm. it's got to make sense. I mean, I just had another company send me a vacuum sealer because I do sous vide, you vacuum seal it a lot. Yeah. I just and, bought my first vacuum sealer. But I mean, I had them send me, a, they, they sent me a chamber vacuum sealer, you know, and I'm, oh, okay. the only reason I got it is because it's kind of an in-between of a really big commercial one and a home use one that I have. Mm -hmm. And I want to show people the difference, you know, yeah. of what's what, you know, so I'm not going to, I don't I'm hard, lo I'm loving I, I don't, mine. but I don't hard sell people yeah. on stuff. I really just yeah. show them the differences. You know, I don't even think I've used mine in a video yet, but I'm loving it. I, I, I don't remember. I paid like $60 for it. I, I finally decided I needed one because generate a lot of leftovers <laughs> when you're, you know, when, when you do this, because your family's only a certain size and, you know, and actually a lot of stuff, sometimes you end up, I mean, I, I don't know how it works for you, but there are times when I have to use stuff for photo and, you know, you end up not really using that to eat right after that. Usually it's not too much waste, but in, it's kind of like on a TV show, a cooking TV show, they go through a lot of stuff like that. You know, you have the stuff for presentation. I'd say 95% of my stuff is the actual stuff I'm eating in the video, but there are some times where the lighting's just bad or something's just not looking right and you have to kind of rebuild it to get at least a decent photo for the thumbnail on YouTube. So the vacuum sealer to me was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> Just like I could freeze this stuff and vacuum, vacuum seal it and freeze it. This is great. Yeah. Every time I cook on my YouTube videos, it's something that we're eating at night. <laughs> no, I don't do yeah. just videos just to do videos unless it's like a product review or something mm -hmm. like that. But I'm, when I'm cooking, 
we're yeah. eating it, you know, and I'll well, tell, we are too. tell them about my video. I got to go eat now because my family's waiting. You know? Yeah, we're, we're doing that too. And I'm fortunate that we have like an extended family that close by that if I make something big, um, you know, but I have like in my freezer in the garage, you know, I don't know how many pounds of frozen, you know, pulled pork right yeah. now. <laughs> um, it just happens, you know, sometimes you make it, you know, when you're going to do a brisket, if you don't have a large group ready and waiting for that, you're going to have leftovers. Uh, it's kind of like the same with pork butt. So when you're doing barbecue videos and those are sort of staples, you know, ribs, I, I joke that if I did rib brisket and pork butt videos in a rotation, I could do that for two years. And I don't think people would get tired of it yeah. because they just love rib brisket and pork butt videos. As long as you present that in an interesting way with maybe some new flavors, but I like to change it up beyond that and not do those all the time. Um, but yeah, that's, it's it, leftovers can pile up. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're getting, oh, we're almost at an hour here. So let's, oh, really? uh, wow. let's talk about what, what, what are your plans <laughs> for the future? I mean, YouTube's going pretty strong. You're over a hundred thousand viewers yeah. or subscribers and um, you know, you're, you're rocking and rolling on that now. Uh, how is your Facebook page? Are you going to expand your empire, the Cooking with uh, Rye empire? Or? The f Facebook is, um, I think I've got like a thousand on there right now, my Facebook page. I don't have a group or anything, just I have my, my Cooking with Rye Facebook page. Instagram, I think I've got about fourteen or 1,500. The, the thing about like the social media stuff, and, and I have Twitter, but I have to be honest about this. To me, it's just personal. Twitter is just noise. It really is just a lot of noise. I don't have spend a lot of time with Twitter. I don't think um, anybody does anymore, except yeah, for Donald just, Trump. <laughs> it's just a lot of noise on there, you know. And and Instagram, I do enjoy because it's very visual when you're talking about the food. Facebook is nice because you can interact with people and comments and stuff. Uh, but in all honesty, I don't I don't go out and seek people to follow me or um, to like or things like that. I, I very rarely do I say, you know, hey, why don't you go to my Facebook page and like that or Instagram and follow me. Part of it's because I, I've seen a lot of other, you know, people, not necessarily in our sort of genre of stuff, cooking, who suddenly they have, you know, 20,000 followers on Instagram and, you know, they follow four people. <laughs> right. And, you, you know, it's very easy to buy followers on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. It's like, I'd honestly rather have it organic. So it took me three years to get to a thousand followers on Instagram. I mean, it, and I didn't do anything. So I'd rather have an organic following that's there for a reason and not worry about the number. And that's kind of the way I did with YouTube too. I didn't go out and try and do anything. I, I mean, I, I had a couple really good breaks on YouTube. One was, and I'll be forever grateful to Russ at um, Smoky Ribs out of the blue, he gave me a shout out when I was a baby channel. <laughs> I don't even remember how many subscribers I had. Um, and that just sort of launched me into a sort of a next plateau. And then about a year ago, uh, I was, YouTube contacted me, like literally, I got an email at six in the morning on Sunday saying, congratulations, you're going to be tomorrow's creator on the rise. Don't tell anybody, but it, you know, but watch your stuff tomorrow. And so the next day I was on the, the YouTube homepage as creator on the rise. And that was like, I think I got like over the next week, probably 15 or 20,000 subscribers out of that. Wow. So I've had a couple fortunate breaks, but the thing about it is I've, I'm not bragging, but I've worked really hard. 
I spent an entire year and a half putting out four videos a week. <laughs> and I only recently slowed down from that. Like about yeah. November of last year, I started to slow down. But that's a lot of work. And, you know, my family would attest to that, that I would work on a video, come inside, edit that video, and I'd be done about 11 o'clock at night. You know, so I was doing 16 or 18 hour days sometimes to get four videos a week out. Yeah, that's dedication. And, and, and I don't think a lot of people understand how tough it is. I mean, I still only do one a week, but you know, I started doing the podcast. And so that mm -hmm. takes up some time. But even, you know, and I don't do six cameras. And I, I really still kind of just do my, my iPhone. Yeah. And, you know, I just do what I kind of like to do. So, right. but it's still, I mean, it still can, yeah. it, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, you got to get the time. You got to yeah. get the people out of the way that are in the house with you, you yeah. know. So I'm trying to shoot a video and they keep, they come bashing through the dogs barking, yeah. you know, so it's just a really, you know, tough and doing four a week. I don't know if I could handle it unless I was fully retired. <laughs> well, I don't even know now how I did it because that I slowed down from that when my video setup started to expand more when I went from like two or three cameras to four and, I, and then five. And it's really about, like I said, those cameras are options, meaning I have more options as I'm editing a video, but that makes the editing process longer. So a 10 minute video now will take me between six and eight hours to edit. Um, everything from audio processing to cutting it together with all the cameras and, and things like that. But that's where I've, you know, I've not shifted away from volume it's more that I've focused more on quality and presenting more unique things and that are more interesting and things that I think people will enjoy. So that's really where I'm hoping to go in the future with this is uh, I, I'm going to work more on my website and get that expanded out a little bit more, but it's really just continuing to put out the content on YouTube and focus on making it the best possible. Well, you've been successful so far and I'm sure you're going to get even more successful. And that's one thing too, that we didn't touch on, but I found it very hard to pull people from one social media outlet to the other. So mm -hmm. bringing people from YouTube into Facebook and Facebook yeah. into YouTube and Instagram, it just doesn't work real well. I mean, yeah. there's people that, you know, will only be like in my, I have that Facebook group. I got 9,000 followers, mm -hmm. but I'm still under 4,000 subscribers on YouTube. So I can't yeah. bring all those people in because they don't want to go there. So it's, uh, but I yeah, can't, and I've, I've done a few times on YouTube are totally different. Yeah. You know, I've done a few times where I've put a video that I have on YouTube on Facebook just to try and start building up those watch hours on there. Um, but that's difficult too, because it's a different audience and a, you're not getting at, at the level I'm at. There's really no income in that. Right. Um, as you get bigger and you, you have to, I think it's, 10,000 followers and a certain number of watch minutes on Facebook before you can start to monetize. And right now that's not worth it to put energy there. And that's why I'm focused on, on YouTube really, because that's really where, you know, like I said, this is basically my full-time job now. And, you know, I'm fortunate that the stuff that I've done with writing and, and things like that still provides income on that sort of bolsters that but it gives me that freedom to really focus on it and say, yeah, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm earning my living now. Yeah, great. Well, it's been great having you on. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we, uh, I'll let you go back to uh, your regular evening. I, I've always, I've always said, oh, man, I don't want a sous vide <laughs> because it's one more piece of equipment in the, in the kitchen. And, but every time I look at your stuff, it's like, 
you know, I've, I'm going to break down at some point and I'm going to get a circulator and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to want to try something. So I will, I'll hit you up for that when it's, when I decide to do that. So you can tell me what the best, the best starter way to do that is. Well, and just, you got to understand too, a lot of people seem to, and I, I try to, you know, tell people, don't look at it as a device, look at it as a whole nother cooking method. Because if you look at it like a George Foreman grill or an Instant yeah. Pot, it's not that. It's it's a whole right. different method. It does things that only that cooking method can do. And, and it, you can, like I said, you can mix it with other cooking methods right. to, to make something you can't make any other way. And it's just, once you start playing around with it, it's like anything. Like like yeah. when you first started with barbecue, you know, it's yeah. it's you start playing around with it, you get addicted and you try to make, you know, people like us, we what else can I do? What else, what can, else I can I do? What, what else can I create? What else can I make? Do the bread. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. You never know. But yeah. Well, thanks for being on. Yeah. I really appreciate it and hope to thanks. have you on again uh, soon. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. I, I enjoyed doing it, Darren. Thank you. But I'll make sure I put your links down to your YouTube channel in the comments below, but uh, make sure you guys check out cooking with rye on YouTube and also Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, if you have to, I don't know. I'm with you on Twitter. I've never understood it. Don't work it. But, but yeah. thanks again for being on, Rye. I look forward to watching your videos, and hopefully you'll be on again sometime soon. Love to. Thank you very much, Darren. All righty, take care. Well, there you have it, guys. I want to thank uh, Rye Pearson from Cooking with Rye for being on the program today. Make sure you check out Cooking with Rye on YouTube. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you follow the Fire and Water Cooking channel on YouTube. Make sure you also follow the Fire and Water Cooking Facebook page, Facebook group, and of course this podcast. And I'll see you again on the next Fire and Water Cooking podcast.